Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by IrishIllustrated.com. Tim O'Malley with Tim Priester and Pete Sampson at Jack Freeman Studios. And guys, we have seen a fair amount of practice the last few days. And despite some red zone struggles, we even saw a touchdown in a live scrimmage. Yes. Yeah, it was a nice uh, improvisational play off script. So it wasn't something that uh, Sanford, Denbrock, or, or Brian Kelly had drawn up. Uh, that Malik Zaire throwback pass to Tony Jones Jr., which for me was the play of the day of the practice that we saw uh, on Saturday. You know, overall, the red zone, that was just, that was alarming to watch strange. how bad yeah. they were. Um I think the quarterbacks in one session were 0 of 9, and then in the second session, I think completion-wise were probably 3 of 9 or 3 of 10, but only one touchdown of those three. The other two were sort of tap-down tackles. So, And then, you know, we asked Brian Kelly, obviously, about it after practice, and he downplayed it like it's no big deal. Um, but after the last six years, I, I don't know how you can't look at that and feel like, yeah, this is still a big concern. Yeah, and of course there's no running game involved. I know some people asked. It was a 7-on-7. You you didn't have offensive linemen. But I thought it was, you know, on one hand you'd say, okay, it's young receivers. That's why they're not getting open. It's not the quarterbacks. But there's some young DBs involved too. And I realize the field is compressed down down that close uh, to the goal line and in the end zone. But I thought Kelly kind of, I mean, to me this is tipping your hand because he talked about having two really good quarterbacks, and we agree with that. But he said, you know, one quarterback changes the play at the line of scrimmage and it's a success. The other one ad libs and it's a success. Well, who's he going to choose? He's going to choose the guy that he can feel comfortable with and he knows can change the play and make a play as opposed to an ad lib because you can't count on that all the time. So, um, but it, it, yeah, it is disturbing because it's a one on one situation down there and the defense was winning the one on ones. Yeah, it's compressed, but it's one on one that offsets it. Defense, I mean, the corners probably know a little bit about what the plan is down there. That helps a little, too. But you got to make a couple plays in that, and you have really good quarterbacks. So it's – look, I agree they would probably run in some of those situations. But no matter what, it's been a long – it's been a litany of red zone issues. It's interesting because, you know, I, I am with you on what he was kind of hinting at with Kaiser there. I can't imagine that Zaire becomes a red zone quarterback because I don't think that works over 12 games. But, you know, the ability to – Go off script. That's how he scored in the spring game. That's how they scored yeah. in this one scrimmage. There's not a lot of touchdowns scored in these scrimmages. I mean, that's just that's kind of the way it goes, unless it's Will Fuller getting free in the back right. of the day. Um, it's intriguing that if they would continue to have red zones, let's say Kaiser wins a job, they continue to struggle in red zone. I, I do think it's possible Zaire would be a better red zone quarterback. Yeah, no, I, I think that's the solution there. Uh, I agree with what Priester's saying about the hand tipping of who is a who does a coach want to go with the guy that's going to run did you think that when you heard it yeah the guy the quarterback who runs what i tell him to run or the quarterback who doesn't (laughs) right exactly you're going to go with the guy who runs i've never known a head coach that would choose the opposite just uh, ignore what i'm telling you and do what you want because that's what you're great at um 
But look, over six years, Notre Dame is 58% in the red zone touchdown percentage. Um, their best did, year was Golson's year when they turned all had all the but everything they yeah, didn't score was a turnover. Right. So it seemed um, terrible. They're and Brian Kelly at Cincinnati was at seventy percent touchdown efficiency. And the different that's so twelve percentage points. The difference nationally in the rankings, that's about fifty places. So you're you're talking about a massive what's the uh, what's the upper echelon? So percentage? last year Navy led the country there about seventy five percent. That's so, super high, though. That's super high for like the, you're not going to get great usually just schedules. into the seventy percentages. Yeah, yeah. That's number one. Um, there's there's going to be about twenty teams who are in the seventy percent range every year, or it's fifteen to twenty. So you think of Brian Kelly's insanity. He was a top twenty red zone offense all the time at Notre Dame. He's been about fifty to sixty percent. I mean, and they've been awful. Um, you know, they were one hundredth in well the twenty twelve year, yeah. and the year after that they were one hundred twelfth. I mean that the, they're just not good at that yeah. here. Yeah, the um, good year was there's just under they're just at sixty five. The with, Michael Floyd year uh, and the Golsons two thousand fourteen they were in line with like Wisconsin. That was their best year. Yeah, with Wisconsin and Oregon. The problem was as we said when they didn't score, it was basically a touchdown for the other team. Yeah, but if they could get to sixty five with this good of an offense with this many yards that they'll get, mm-hmm. I think that would be a good goal. You know, one of the things that uh, I wrote about in the the uh, defensive review of practice the other day was just. I mean, look at the corners, and I realize it's just a couple open practices. But my, you know, you, you like the starters, obviously, with Luke and Crawford. Coleman clearly is showing, you know, himself to be better prepared at this stage, way better prepared than last year. But then Dante Vaughn, I mean, Julian Love has showed. Ashton White has yeah. got size and has done good things. I mean, I just named Pride will be five good or someday. six. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. think that he's, he's there right yet. now. Yeah. Um, but you know there there are five or six guys there, and who moves to safety? I mean, does does that happen? I don't know. I mean, probably the most natural of that whole whole group would be Vaughn, but he's so good with his length at corner, yeah. you don't want to move him from there. So it'll just kind of be interesting to see, uh, you know, when Devin Butler returns. We've been pushing for Devin, poor Devin Butler. He's we've been pushing for Devin Butler to be a safety, and now he's you know nearing the end of his collegiate career, and it hasn't happened yet. Yeah, but they need safety help. Yeah, this, but I, I don't think there's a, a move there for this that would year. help. Yeah, that you would know, help them like, this year. I agree, and, it, and it's not even it's is Dante Vaughn a better safety than Jalen Elliott? I, we have no idea. We have no idea. I don't yeah. think the coaches know. Um, so it's like to move a guy who could be a starting corner in a couple of years to who, and then he could be a backup safety. We just don't. No, I'm not. I'm not saying they know. should move on. I'd, He's too good at corner to make that move. Yeah, just I don't think there's a there's a clear guy to move, uh, and I don't know if they need to move anybody because you have to see what Elliott, Perry, Morgan, um, Studstill. Studstill, obviously, what those guys are, and I, I, mean, I don't yeah. think the coaches even know at this point. Um, one guy, one guy who I think we do know. Uh, quite a bit about after watching a few practices of Dalen Hayes. Uh, and Brian Kelly talked a little bit about him on Saturday. I asked about, hey, is this guy getting first-team work? Because the reps that we see of Dalen Hayes are more second-team, situational. situational. And he said, no, he's been getting you know work against the first-team offensive line. We have not seen it. I don't know how the, those reps are going. But... Um, Go better on one side than the other. Yeah, there's, but there's no question. You look, and I wrote about this over the weekend. Fret elite freshman. If you're really, really good, you start as a freshman, 
you know, whether it be full-time or part-time, but you get a start, probably two or three. So if Dalen Hayes is as good as we think that he is, he's going to start a few games for Notre Dame. Nickel starter, and you're play a spread team, and you play Yeah, I'm not saying you start 13 games, right. but three or four starts for Dalen Hayes, if he's legitimately the real deal, that's happening. Um, because what we've seen from him, and it's not even just like the one-on-one pass rush moves, which Notre Dame doesn't have on the roster, in my opinion. But he is real physical. Uh, I mean, he blows up running backs, tight ends. I mean, you can hear contact when he wants to bring it. Um, so I've been extremely encouraged from what, with what we've seen from him through one week. And meanwhile, Andrew Trombetti is barely noticeable out there now. And that, I mean, he's going to be important to, to this team. They need him to step forward. But I haven't seen him really flash at all. Yeah, I think they want him to be when they do the, you know, they're not all the nickel packages are the same. There's the deep nickel where you're in third and 10, third and 13. And that's when I think Trombetti and, and Dalen Hayes are on there to field right. together. I, uh, but I, we've I, seen Trombetti on the left side a little bit, which yeah, is where he played yeah. last year. So that's what but he other would than be that, the other than switch. that, you're not taking out someone. You're putting in Hayes for the right. nickel, I, and you're I, not taking out Rochelle. He's I, moving inside, I guess. If, but. if it hasn't happened already, Dalen Hayes has moved past Andrew Trombetti, at least for me. Yeah. Because. What does Dalen Hayes do that's not as good as what Andrew Trombetti does? I don't know what that is. I mean, I just think Dalen Hayes is a better athlete. He's longer. He's more physical. He's faster. Um, he's definitely quicker. Trombetti's pretty fast, but that doesn't really matter. Yeah. I mean, it's, he's it's, bigger. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just everything to me about Dalen Hayes is superior to Andrew Trombetti. That doesn't mean Andrew Trombetti can't have a role where, oh, you, no. where you have you know, two speed rushers out right. there because they're still not really rich at that position. But in terms of that third down, who's the first guy in? To me, it's got to be Dalen Hayes now. I mean, just based on what we've seen. I, the other day, uh, we were watching. Uh, I'm going to change the subject here from from that. And they need the Trombetti. They need him. I mean, yes, they, yeah. they they need him to step forward, and he's he's certainly capable. But uh, we're watching the left side. Remember, it was like that three on three little yes. isolation <laughs> stuff, and we talked about an instant analysis. And I and. And McGlinchey and, and Nelson are <laughs> McGlinchey and Nelson are just chewing people up. Yes, okay, I mean it's like a uh, when, when Asmar Ball was thrown into the front door. Yeah, I mean you know it's like a, a you know a saw cutting through yeah. trees. And for, anyway, so I'm driving, so I'm driving home and I'm stopped in in traffic because there's one of these uh, because Mike McGlinchey had thrown no, Jay but, no, the but there's a piece of equipment. They're, they're resurfacing the street and yeah. there's a piece of equipment you know that picks up the old asphalt that grinds it up yeah, and picks it up. And I thought, hmm, I just saw McGlinchey and Nelson doing this over at Notre Dame. They, they are, that's a thrashing machine on the left side yes. of that offensive and line. they love it. They absolutely oh, they love kicking ass. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's what they are going to do all year. Pete, get me that uh, magazine that has the 21 guards better than Quentin Nelson oh. coming in this year. I need, to, I, need, I need to get a hold of that. Yeah, Who, that hold you know of what? That. And we all love that magazine. He does a tremendous yes, job. Does. But that is the one area. Come on. That one <laughs> segment where he rates, was that a rating of pro prospects? Yes. Is that what that was? Yeah, it was yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it was just college. Who are the best guards in college? And Quentin yeah. Nelson was okay. number 22. That's, Not sure I'd put him number two. That's, like, oh, yeah, yes. that's I mean, unbelievable. That, that's unbelievable. So that side's going to be good. And yes, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, I mean, we I solved know, the red zone problem. Yeah, <laughs> run over there. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> McGlinchey is man. McGlinchey, his length and in space, he's balanced. He's under control. He's long. He's now he's really, really powerful. Angry. He's, yeah, he's, he's got complete. the center bar on his face mask, which just makes you look like you played in the seventies. I mean, everything. There's everything to like about this guy right now. He's he is outstanding. Um, I guess before we get out of segment one, 
we should probably address the quarterbacks. Um, but I don't really know how much there is to address the, beyond what Brian Kelly said about the changing the play, run the play. Because, again, I think despite some of the red zone issues, which I would put more on the receivers and the quarterbacks on Saturday, both these guys are good. Both can win 10 games. And I, I stand by what I felt for last week. So I think, O'Malley, you feel the same way. Both are going to play very meaningful yeah. roles for Notre Dame this year. They're, it's not going to be a situation where they can just stick with one guy and go with it. And Brian Kelly, it was nice to be quoted by Brian Kelly. Yeah. Two of the top <laughs> two of the top five playmakers on your team, he turned it into his team. Yes. Our quarterbacks. That was yeah. our summer discussion. Yeah. I'm glad to hear. They are. I mean, look at this team. Oh, it's I know. I agree. Junior, I just can't, running backs, I just can't <laughs> see him trying to develop a game plan on a weekly basis with two quarterbacks. He, he except for Texas. You do except believe. for Texas. Yeah, yeah. That's like a bowl game. Right. But on a week, on a week to week basis, on a on a weekly basis, I don't see him doing that. Whether that, in fact, I'm going to ask him that question. Just exactly what would it be like trying to formulate a game plan for two quarterbacks right. Right. on a weekly basis? Pretty start. hard. Yeah. yeah, I think he will say they have that. An army and of analysts and coaches to do it. There's still a finite amount yeah. of time, regardless how many people you have. It's a finite amount of time, and he. I don't think that he wants to do that. So. Hey, it'll be interesting. I, yes. I, 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 yes, I mean, I think that Notre Dame has, I don't know what everybody else has in the country, but that one-two punch is outstanding. We stand by the, the thought that Kaiser's going to win the job, but Zaire's really good, and they go into the season with a really good situation at quarterback. No question. All right, segment two. We've got a bunch of questions for our readers coming up next. Welcome back to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. First question from Griswold06. For the past receiver situation, would you prefer Torrey Hunter and everyone else, or three clear-cut choices with little depth? I love the talent at wide receiver, but I hope there's a clear separation by the end of fall practice. My preference would be Floyd at the W, Tate at the Z, (laughs) and Fuller at the X, and then we could back them up. Okay. That is not an option. Um, I, I know what he's saying. I think that uh, they're not going to have... So what he's saying is that we're going to have C.J. Sanders be so clearly the best Z that he's out there all the time and they don't use depth and that Equinemia St. Brown is so clearly the W. It's just not... That's not an option. That's not the way it's going to be. You're going to play St. Brown and Boykin and you're going to play Sanders and Holmes and maybe Fink. It's got to be depth this year because none of those guys are polished enough to play every down. Yeah, and I think um, you know I, I want to. Um, I don't. I don't think I mentioned this to you guys, but I was watching uh, Boykin run a route the other day, and and it's part of the reason I've said he's part receiver, part tight end is he's. I don't know what his forty time is, but it's not four or five, okay, and and it can't be with his size. But Denbrock came over and said, you know, Miles, get off the line of scrimmage, right. and then then he kind of imitated a real plodding first three steps off the line of scrimmage. <laughs> anyway, my point is. I think Claypool has a chance to make some inroads at that position behind St. Brown. And I have agreed with you all along, Pete, in that 
you know, the number two guy to Hunter is is Equinemius St. Brown. He has a chance to do it. But they're all going to be, I mean, when they're that young, they're all going to be a little bit inconsistent. Right. So you need the depth. You need, I mean, you need Chris Fink. You need Kevin Stefferson. And I think Stefferson. You definitely need Stefferson. You, ne- you yeah. need Stefferson. I think long-term, you said something about Stefferson eventually becoming the starting Z. I think he moved, I think he's a natural X. And after moves Hunter. Back. Right, after Hunter leaves, he moves out to X. I would, just on the in the context of this question, I think depth is massively overrated at wide receiver because you can scheme your way around it. You can play two tight ends if you want. You can play all sorts of different styles of offense. Um, so I would I would take one alpha receiver and a bunch of no names. Like I wouldn't even take a great starting lineup first three if you could just give me one great elite guy and then just some. Names on jerseys out there, I would take that. Is um, Tory Hunter going to be great and elite? I don't think so. I mean, no, because the, the term elite has been watered down <laughs> to mean like pretty good. Um, Will Fuller was elite, right? Um, I think Tory Hunter has a chance to have a really good season. TJ Jones, senior year, that good or good? Not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah TJ so. Jones, senior yeah. that's what I good. Think so. I mean, I don't think well, I don't, you know, how many. How many times is a Will Fuller going to come along? That's real. That's super elite. Yeah, so, yeah. I mean, Golden Tate, Fuller, yeah, right. Floyd, Michael I mean, Floyd. Yes, they, they have. They've had those type. Through, of, they've had. But, those. Uh, but Hunter is a step below. I, those guys. I would agree going in. I'm. I'm really interested. To see, I think he's going to catch everything. in oh, he's going to be very productive in, in, in the area code yeah, near him. I think so he'll be productive. Yeah. Now I did. I didn't mention Stefferson because he's behind Hunter, but Stefferson is in this. If you can just bring him along, where. He keeps getting better as the year progresses and stays healthy because he's 140 pounds, it looks like. I think he can make plays for you in a every once in a while basis that matters. Does that make yeah. sense? But no, like, I he's agree. not gonna get, you know, he's not gonna get targeted fifty times. You're saying he's not gonna seize up in the moment. No, I think he can help your team. Yeah, I, I think he can be I better agree. than Devaris Daniels was in his first year where he showed up against Oklahoma on a couple catches. And then he didn't catch a pass for a month. You know, yeah, that I type mean, of thing. Right, even Richard. Yeah. Like, I mean, his, his, his 2012 year. is his first yeah, actual yeah. year. I think he can, I think Stepperson can make an impact. Club Fred 90 asks, we have heard Coach Kelly talk about monitoring the players with a GPS and something called a catapult. What feedback do these systems provide? Uh, I, I wrote about this in May and just sort of looked at the evolution of the athletic department in terms of technology and a bunch of other things, but technology in particular. So these catapult GPS monitors, um, the data is much more, I guess, you know, is accumulated a lot more in soccer, basketball. Um, football is just sort of getting started in this. Notre Dame's used it for a couple of years. But basically what these things are tracking is how far you're running how hard you're pushing yourself, heart rate. Um, there's an accelerometer in there. So if you're taking a lot of blows or you know getting knocked back or getting knocked down, it monitors that too. So then basically the coaches can look at that and say, okay, Nick Wisher uh, was at level X. I think Brian Kelly referred to units. Um, you know, Nick Wisher was at 300 units in this practice. Um, that means he should be scaled back in the next day's practice. Or Durham Smythe at 100 units. We can work him a little bit more. Um, so it's in some ways it's injury prevention through because of fatigue, um, monitoring that. And it gives the coaches data that they can say, look at a practice and say, boy, we really worked them hard today. Well, did you? And you can look at the data, and it can tell you that you did or did not. And certainly, the reverse is true, where you, if you thought you had a practice that was easy, 
you can look at that and be like, oh, actually, that was much more strenuous on these guys than we thought. So it's just a way to sort of match what your eye is telling you uh, with numbers and data, and it's that's a positive for coaches, and not just do- in football, but basketball, soccer, right? And, else. and they're doing this, you know. I know, you know, CJ Sanders coming off the very serious hip injury, mm-hmm. and really an incredible recovery mm-hmm. from that. And I did not think he'd be back like this. No, time. absolutely not. When we saw him riding around in that cart, it was like, oh my god, how in the world is he going to be back for the fall? So, thank goodness, you know. I mean, he give the kid a lot of credit yeah. for working hard, Rob Hunt. Etc. He gave Rob Hunt a tremendous amount of credit for for his recovery. But uh, you know, when I talked to him the other day, it was the first of two days, and and he said, "Well, I'm sure they're going to scale scale me back in the the second practice." And that's just another example of monitoring um, each athlete, whether healthy or coming off an injury or what have you. I talked to Drew Drew Tranquil about this in the spring, and he said it's important to him because he cannot slow himself down. Yeah, he goes. He's one of those guys that's just. No matter how he feels, he's 100% every play, every practice, mm-hmm. all the time. And now he knows, hey, this can they, this tells me I have to slow down if I'm going to make it through the season. Yeah. Irish fan 435, with a pleasant surprises on the D-line, i.e. Pete Makwa, Jay Hayes, Dalen Hayes, etc., is a lot of this at- attributable to going against an elite offensive line? Well, anytime you're... Well, first of all, Jay... <laughs> Jay and Dalen Hayes are going against McGlinchey, you know, when they're going against the top offensive line, and so that's a great opportunity. Really I wouldn't, I don't know that I'd put Pete Makwa in that category. He did, I thought he did a couple good things the other day, you know, out of necessity with uh, Daniel Cage being sidelined or slowed with a with a, a hamstring. But yeah, I mean, I think anybody that has an opportunity to go against Nelson and McGlinchey, and I think Bars is going to be in that category very soon. You're going to benefit from it. All right, I'm going to give you guys defensive line quickly. If you have total faith in them, say number three. If you think they might be good this year, say number two. And if you have no idea or don't, say number one. Isaac Rochelle. Three. Jerron Jones. Mm, two. Daniel Cage. Two. Jay Hayes. Two. Dalen Hayes. Can I go three with like an asterisk yeah, on that can. one? Yeah. Okay. Andrew Trimbetti. To everybody else, Tiasam, Makwa, Elijah Taylor, Khalid Kareem, Jonathan Bonner. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a bunch of ones. Right. Yeah. So this has to play out. Yeah. Because, look, Jay Hayes, I think, is a, the two is the right answer. Jay Hayes could have a really good year. And Did you say Tillery? Jerry Tillery. You can answer that one, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm encouraged, but I'd still say a two. The two, right. Yeah. Yeah, I did forget to say Tillery. Look. They have all these backup guys and everything. They haven't played at all. And Tillery was forced into action. We've been a little hard on Tillery, I think, for his approach. He was an 18-year-old nose tackle, 18-year-old nose tackle last year instead of defensive tackle. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to like potentially, but these look Jay Hayes redshirt as a sophomore last year. And I know it was part of that's off-field stuff, and he also got screwed out of his freshman year, but there's a lot to prove here, and so I wouldn't say they're pleasant surprises yet. Yeah, I think you know it. It, it feels like it's trending in the right direction yeah, because yeah. of the two hazes and because of what Brian Kelly says about Tillery. And by the way, Tillery never took a snap last year without Sheldon Day right next to him, did he? <laughs> that, I think Sheldon Day left a game. Not, not, yeah, I mean, <laughs> not yeah. more than a dozen. right. Yeah. So that you know, uh, he Sheldon Day is yeah. last I check is not here. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't, I don't know that we're throwing out pleasant surprises or vastly improved. I know I said the other day, I feel more encouraged about 
Jay Hayes and the attitude that he brings, the yes. positiveness that he brings to the field, and did you, you ask know, that the question? ability to stop the run? I, I'm I'm a little bit more encouraged. What's that? Brian What's Kelly that? said he's one of our like roughest, rough and tumble guys. I thought it was a great way of talking about it. He is a competitive guy, Jay Hayes, and he's yeah. He'll hold up at the point. He's probably gonna get some flags from doing some stuff, and I think it's good. I think they need that. Kind yeah, of I I mean I've been a Jay Hayes fan since I saw him in high school and went out to Brooklyn to visit him um, and do a story on him there. But uh, I I think just like a physical mean football player yeah. is something Notre Dame doesn't really have a ton of and I think Jay Hayes is going to fill that and one interesting thing that I've noticed like I remember watching Jay Hayes in practice the last couple of years and he would really like get into it with offensive linemen like af- but like after the play like not in a good way yeah um yeah. he's toned that way down uh, and he talked about how he's matured a lot I I believe that I mean talking to him on Thursday of last week or Wednesday, he was pretty upfront about he was really in a bad spot last year and thought about transferring, um, wasn't really going to class, uh, struggling academically, just was not in a healthy mindset at all. Um, and he was just like, look, I get Notre Dame's a great school and the degree's great and all that, but like, I'm here to play football and I'm yeah. not playing and this just sucks. And uh, they could have used him too. Yeah. I mean, a, a, a healthy focus, yeah. Jay Hayes. He's, I mean, he's, they he's well, productive. He's, he's I don't productive. know if he was ready to be no, productive. No, apparently but, not. But like what right. we thought Jay Hayes could be, is they could have It's used interesting you mention all that. Games and he's just like, I could take that. Yeah, Durant, it's interesting you mention <laughs> like, that because Jerron Jones was telling me that, uh, you know, they really they had to work on Jay Hayes to keep him here. Yeah. You know, and they kept trying to encourage him and trying to say, look, man, you're looking at this negatively. You know, move ahead to next year, and the, and the opportunities are going to be there. And then, you know, obviously they got through to them to a large degree. On that note, on a related note, is there a better interview over the last three years in terms of honesty to a fault and to our benefit than Jerron Jones? He's tremendous. <laughs> He's great. He has a great interview because he just tells you the truth about things yeah. that no one brings up. He's told us in 2013, before when he was playing, that he didn't want to travel. With the yes. team in 2012 because he wanted to stay back and hang out with friends and he didn't want to be in Ireland. Can you imagine anyone else saying that? No. I mean, <laughs> it's absolutely remarkable. Anyway, kudos to him for being so honest. Yeah, and I, you it's know, fun. I, I, I think there's, I, I think I said this after we left Culver, I think there's a little bit, he's a fifth year senior, I think there's a little bit more maturity yes, there and, yeah. and, and he needs that. And he needs that to rub off on Tillery and... It, it it you know obviously Rochelle has a ton of maturity sure. but you know not a real outspoken guy that's why I think Jay Hayes is, really helps in that regard. Spread the field as good as the offense was last year. At times they struggled in short yardage running, third and two or less. Can this offense get over the hump in short yardage and dominate the line of scrimmage even when a defense knows it's coming and Notre Dame calls that uh, obvious runs? Uh, you know, I don't know. Dominate? <laughs> yeah, I don't know about. Well, the left side. I don't know. I think you know, in in isolated incidents when you can go strictly, you know, left guard, left tackle yeah. behind them. Yeah, I think there's some dominance there. I think you know, Bars has some dominance in him in time, but he hasn't played too much, and we don't really know about the center and right guard. Right. So I, you know, I don't, I don't really know how to answer that question right now. It's tough because it's like, okay, did they dominate in obvious run situations when it was? First round pick Zach Martin and third round pick Chris Watt. Isn't it kind of the? It's the shotgun spread. It's kind of hard to dominate in yeah. obvious run situations, isn't it? 
Yeah, I don't. I don't it can be fi- extremely efficient if your yeah. quarterback can get it and yeah. your running back can get I mean, it. Right? I am encouraged by. Yeah, I'm encouraged by between the tackles with Folston and Tony Jones if they end up using Folston Tony Jones because Folston's going. Folston's yeah. their power power back yes, right now. Yes, no doubt about and it. That, and that's a good thing. His his center of gravity is his pad level is ridiculously low. He's shrunk. I know. Yeah, yeah, and he's, he's strong. Just, I, you know, I, I I'm encouraged by by those two guys in the short yardage more than I am just saying, well, the whole line's going to control the situation. And I guess, you know, it, it's always a numbers game with Kelly. Can will Smythe do well against defensive ends when he needs to? Because that, that's the thing. Like that I don't know. You know, that, I don't have any idea. There's a lot of there are questions there. And at least the quarterback though, some of the problems of the past, and this doesn't come for last year, but Reese wasn't an option to run, so when you're in a shotgun spread trying to run the ball, you've totally eliminated a weapon. And you would think out of Kaiser and Zaire that weapon's back and that 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 helps a lot. The quarterback running helps a lot in third and two. Any other thing, and again, I'm I'm always bringing this up, but you, you can't just you can't just say, okay, Notre Dame needs to now dominate this defensive line. Well, what defensive line are they going against? Are they going against Michigan States? Are they going against NC States, which which we rated in the first rate as the best defensive line they're going to face this year. So when they go to NC State and they're having trouble short yardage, on the road, it isn't necessarily that they suck. It's that they're going against a good D-line. Yeah, I just thought, okay, Quentin Nelson and Mike Blavinci are great, but I don't know if I would pick them over three defensive players. Like, if you just put an extra guy well, over Well, that's what there. I meant. Yeah. Like, then you have to get a little more yeah. creative Can about these work? things. So, I don't, I don't know. I, I think it'll be a good group, but dominate. Hard to say. Yeah. Drew 2000 asks, we know that Notre Dame is getting uh, what they're getting on the left side of the offensive line with Nelson McGlinch. We have not heard a ton about Alex Bars and how he's looked at right tackle. How is he looking in camp? What can be expected of him this year? You know, I have not watched him a ton. Um, it sounds like there's, I mean, there's not like a competition at that position. And I think the coaches are pretty eager to create a competition when there's even a hint of yeah. one. They haven't with right tackle. Um and I think we've just been watching Mike McGlinchey and Quentin Nelson murder people well, on the left side. The, so yeah, I, con- I can't like watch the right <laughs> and side. And the right guard, too. I mean, yeah, I, yeah, you know, you're watching yeah. the right guard and not necessarily the, the right tackle. I'd expect him to be solid at worst. He's a good football player. And Harry Heastan was frank, though, why he's at right tackle. Look, they don't have another right tackle. Maybe he's Maybe he should be a right guard. I mean, I think he's a tackle, but maybe he should be a right guard. Well, he's they both. don't have a right tackle. He's both. They can't put anyone else there, he stands said. He said, no. for our football team, he has to play right tackle, which means maybe it's his best position, maybe it's not. But I think he'll have a good year at worst. Um, you're right, Pete. I don't, I don't look over there because all the, the show is on the other yeah. side to watch. It is on the other side. I, you know, he can play either spot. I think... He's got to play well, tackle. Alex, yeah. Uh, yeah. the 2017 Alex Bars is going to be better than 2016 sure. Alex Bars. Yeah. But I still think... You're going to watch him play this year and say uh, either he's becoming really good or wow, he's going to be really good. I think that he's that type of player. We could tell Drew 2000 not to be concerned about Alex Bars, right? Right. He'll yeah. Do, that's, do what, well. that's what, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's worth remembering he broke his foot, Mike. Right. I mean, yeah. he had basically Malik Zaire's injury. In October. In October um, of last year. Yeah. yeah. So it's, I mean, maybe there's going to be some rounding into form with him this year. If he comes out of the gate, you know, Texas, Nevada, and you're like, oh, it doesn't look that fast kicking back in pass coverage. I'd say give, it was a give pretty, that a few weeks. It was a pretty long recovery. I mean, I think by the time they got to the spring, when we were thinking, oh, he's still going to favor yeah. it, he was pretty well past that. But November, December, January, February were long, uh, you know, rehab months for him. He, he'll be better, you know, he'll be better next year no, the year after, right. but he's going to be right. fine right now. Yeah. Irish, I, I was tailgating. That's hard to say. 
Devin Studsell was a big storyline in spring, yet despite all the fall and the talk of freshman defensive backs, he hasn't been mentioned to date since July 2nd in his A to Z feature. <laughs> Thanks for reading. How has he looked in camp, and what can we expect him in the That's fall? That's not quite true, and I know there's a lot to keep up with our, uh, you know, with everything that we throw on there once they start practice. But I mean, we mentioned him right from the beginning. He's had a hamstring yeah, problem. He was right on now. a, yeah, he was on a bike. Um, when did? Well, that was the second practice we saw, right? He was he, barely involved in the first, though. Remember, that's we right. just couldn't that's figure right. out. So, so like, it's lingering a little bit. Yeah, and freshman DBs and hamstrings in camp is. I mean, we don't thing. have a we don't yeah. have an opinion because we haven't seen a full speed. They need him. Good lord, they need him back there. Yeah, it's, it's my question for BK <laughs> either at media day or move. Yeah, you know, like at what point do you really start to lose the ability to incorporate him into what you're doing? Um, he had to jump on it though by being here. The whole exactly. Time. Yeah. That's. I mean. That's why. If if he was a true freshman, okay. in a sense, he would be already out. So that like, alters. He would already be redshirted. You're right. Based right. on the first week and a half, because he was in spring. How long can he go before you're like, man? Okay, we're really behind on this now. He is. He has to be a smaller part of the game plan than what we wanted to. I. I don't know. I think. I mean, I think for the first few weeks of September, Max Redfield and Drew Trangle don't come out of the game though. Right, there's no way there unless they get unless they get a nice little lead against Nevada. But you're not putting in, you're not putting in a backup safety against Texas. Well, the only way I mean, you put in State. you put in Sebastian on a short yardage right. okay. situation, yeah. maybe yeah. or maybe. you know, if Stud still's healthy, I think that they're going to feel confident enough that they can put him in there for how long, extended. You know, I don't know. And this is he is missing valuable time, but spring certainly helped him. It should help him going forward. I mean, he should be a part of the season. Devin Studd still. It just doesn't, I think, right. be, I'm not sure he's right. going to be part it of It may be a yeah. October part of the season. Right, right. UND 63, our last question. What is the problem with the red zone passing offense? Play design, receivers, quarterbacks, coaches? That wasn't on there. I just <laughs> threw that in there. I, I, I'm not, is that your opinion? I, no, it's not. I'm just saying that if you're looking for who to, who to blame, I guess you... There was well, the monsoon at Clemson. That would be, that that would be play be design. Of. That would be under the category yeah. of play design. I, I mean... I think mostly it's been a quarterback issue to me. Um, I'm not saying the coaches are without fault, but they keep having to play young quarterbacks. And I think when you looked at, and I wrote a story about this last summer, if you look at Reese from 2011 to 2013, sort of his two full years starting, and you look at Golson from 2012 to 2014, who's full two years starting. The numbers back it up. The numbers back it up that those were big, big jumps in the efficiency of the quarterback, at least, in the red zone. Maybe not the offense as a whole, but the quarterback made a huge jump. They basically are going from a flat TD to INT ratio to a 2-to-1 TD INT ratio from year one starting to year two starting. So, Inexperience at quarterback has played a big part of it. I think that's that's lost in the discussion of it. The inexperience at receivers got to come into play here as well, unless you just keep force feeding Hunter and Hunter makes a play like he made the other day, which should have been knocked down right, right. by Cole Luke, but somehow Hunter came up with a catch. They'll need a compliment for Hunter down there. That, uh, the running game well, has got to be a big part of it now. Maybe the compliment's tight end. I think it should be. At least that's what we thought last August, too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but actually, I did ask Brian Kelly this exact question in June, and he went directly to rookie quarterbacks. He said they don't trust. It's a tighter window. They don't trust it. Once yeah. it's not there, a lot of stuff isn't there all of a sudden. He basically said, when I have an experienced quarterback, we will score touchdowns in the red zone, and when I don't, we won't. So, Pete? Just like I said. Maybe right. I'll... Maybe. Uh, 
Maybe, well, maybe that's an opening for Malik Zaire, you know, because of what he can do at living and running the football. Though, again, all things being equal, who do you trust not throwing in? Who do you trust will not throw into a a window that's closing on on the you know in the, in the red zone? Kaiser, because he threw into windows that were closing and had bats. Right. Like right. he's been burned on it, so right. he's learned. I think Malik. I can Zaire see. Still has yeah, to. I can see Zaire being impatient, wanting to make something happen, and he forces they one in there. Red zone turnovers again. Hunter fumbled against USC. Kaiser at the beginning. Kaiser against Georgia Tech. I mean, it's his first start. I don't put that one quite as big of a of a problem. And the yeah, Corey Robinson bracket. The court, Yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, not turning it over down there is huge because they, other than in August Boston practices, College. yeah, they have a field goal kicker that's going to hit. It's going to make field goals if it's not practice when he misses all of them. Um, it's remarkable, actually. Yeah, I, you know, we <laughs> haven't missed. talked about that, but it's a little bit concerning. He wasn't. He was two of six. Missed the last four. I thought he was one of six. I think he squeezed in a 28-yarder. But he was, uh, no, I mean, that's more than he missed last season. Uh, Somebody asked, it was funny, horrible timing question of the day. Somebody asked Brian (laughs) Kelly if he has any concerns about his kicker when you missed his last four and his backup kicker missed two out of three. He's like, yeah, I have some concerns, concerns. actually. But, uh, no, I think we think Justin Yoon will have a good year. I mean, I think. Yeah, I would think so. And speaking of uh, specialists, the interview with Tyler Newsom the other day was just, I mean, just... I tell, he's great to interview. I want to interview season. him every time they bring him out. <laughs> that used to be mine, too. Now you got it. That's too bad. All right, we, got <laughs> one, we have one, uh, one more bonus question from Twitter here. Uh, a blind question for you guys, so I want to see how you handle it. This is from Justin Coons, and he wants to know, who would you rather add to this year's team, a healthy Jalen Smith or a healthy Will Fuller? Will Fuller. Um... Yeah, I would say Will Fuller too. That's yeah. I, that, does that make sense? Us saying I, that? I, I thought Will Fuller was. I know, but uh, but they they, they I, need they need I, they need a, a star receiver, <laughs> and their linebacker depth I think is actually pretty good. Yeah, Torrey Hunter Jr. would be great number two for Will Fuller this the, year. The too. most dynamic, really athletic linebacker in the history of Notre Dame, <laughs> yeah. and you're saying yeah, Bilal, What are you Will talking Fuller. about? <laughs> It's a, it's a good question. No, Maybe yeah. there isn't a right answer. Yeah. I, I I want them both back. This Damn reminds it. me of the joke in the press box when they lost Manti. That's ah, fine. We're just going to rotate Fox and Calabrese. Don't yes. worry about it. We're just going <laughs> to rotate Bilal, Coney, and Martini. You don't need Jalen Smith. There's nothing, nothing I do lost think, there. <laughs> I do think the linebacker core is, is encouraging. It just seems at, least funny. The top, yeah. at least the top four yeah. and a half guys. I like them all. I like Morgan. I like Anawala. I like Morgan. Middle linebacker would be better. Anawala would be much better than he was last year. We, we joke about it. It's impossible the weak side linebacker is better than it was last year, but I like those guys. So I think it's kind of the whole. I guess it looks, the sum, it, it look, yeah. based upon what we've seen, it looks like Martini is a is a sub package guy, which I think is a, which is great. Really Fuller, good idea. Fuller scored 70 yard touchdowns against Stanford, Ohio State, USC. Virginia, these are all important games that these yes. things are happening against. I mean, the, the, defense, just... the defense was bad with Jalen Smith and Sheldon Day and Kavari yeah. Russell, etc. Yeah, so no I get, I guess I understand. Will Fuller is the winner. Okay. That's <laughs> it for today's podcast. We're going to be back on April 18th. Media Day is Wednesday. Um, it's I think may, it may be our only opportunity to talk to assistants all year. Um, so we'll definitely get that. A lot of player access. Brian Kelly will watch a full practice. So we'll have a ton to discuss on our next podcast. That's August 18th, this week, Thursday. So for Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley, I'm Pete Sampson. Thanks for listening to another episode of Irish Illustrated Insider.